This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity May. It's a podcast that follows our journey of investing. We break down the world of finance and investing from beginning to dividend so it is more accessible for you. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity mate, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Looking forward to this episode. Oh, you've changed yours. I figured if you change, I'll change as well. <laughs> Don't throw too many people off. Uh, honestly, your intro still throws me off a little bit. Yeah, look, it's really not rolling off the tongue. I'm going to give it some more thought. But the main thing is I'm not going to revert back to the old one. So Fair um, enough. I Fair just enough. need to... It's, it's uh, good that you're putting thought to the most important things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ren, we're here with the hypothetical portfolio, both core and satellite. We haven't touched on it now for, uh, well, at least we haven't bought as consistently as we had said we would. Hey, there's a lot of content to produce, so that's okay. So that's why we are here. We're going to do a portfolio update and then also buy some ETFs in our core portfolio. And then we're going to hear two stock pitches from members of the Equity Mates community who have submitted some stock ideas over the last couple of months. And as we said, we're all about this portfolio being about the portfolio of the community members. So very much looking forward to having Ewan and Daniel come in and pitch for us. Yes. Now, before we do, two important things that i got to bring up. First one, I've heard everyone's feedback around how I say performance. <laughs> I will endeavor to get that right. Look, you've been saying it for I've been saying th- it for a long time. So now, no so. promises, uh, <laughs> but Facebook group, I hear you. <laughs> so just wanted to put that on the record and get that up nope, front. And, and Bryce will call me out if I say it wrong. I don't think so because you're likely to say it again and it's likely going to be in one of your monologues and I'm not going to want to interrupt that. So, (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. The second and probably more important thing is just a reminder for everyone about this portfolio that nothing we talk about, none of the stocks we talk about, none of the ETFs we talk about are buy, hold or sell recommendations. This exercise is purely educational. Bryce and I have been doing the podcast. A lot of people have been listening to the podcast for a number of years. We really thought that people would enjoy us talking about stocks. We wanted to hear from the community stocks that they were looking at. But most importantly, it's to really use this as a practical example of some of the things that we've learned over the journey. But we do just need to stress in these episodes that nothing is a recommendation. So don't buy, hold or sell any stocks or ETFs on the basis of what you hear and what we discuss. Exactly, Ren. Well said. So let's start off with a portfolio update. So the current 
portfolio for our core, which is, as a reminder, if you've just joined the show, is purely made up of ETFs. We have set about eight ETFs in there that cover everything from Australian equities through to Europe, Asia. There's some property equities, infrastructure, gold and fixed income. We've evenly weighted some of them. I think the main thing is that we haven't bought over the last two months. So we've got 2000 that we need to put into that. Yeah. And so as a reminder for people, the portfolio strategy that we're following and that a lot of the experts talk about is a core and a satellite. The core being long-term buy and hold, set and forget, and then really just apply the principles of dollar cost averaging. Mm. And then the satellite is where we invest in individual companies and try and apply some of the learnings we've learned around analyzing companies, valuation and stuff like that. And the money that we get to invest in the portfolio We've said, what, $1,000 a month for each portfolio, which is probably more than most people, but that's just for ease of of examples. But it's really the the idea is that we're replicating someone who's saving a bit of their paycheck every month and then investing it in the market. You definitely don't need to save $1,000 or $2,000 a month to invest, but this is just all for illustrative purposes only. So that's for people who are new to the show and are wondering what the hell we're talking about. That Hopefully that gives you a bit of a summary of where we're at. So we liquidated our old portfolio, which was made up predominantly of afterpay, and we had 18000 or about 17000 to spend on the purchase of all of our ETFs, which we did in one hit. So the update, Ren, the purchase value for our portfolio of ETFs was 17238 It is currently 18105 giving us a return as it stands of 866 The whole point of this is long-term set and forget investing and so i don't i don't even think we should be well one i don't think we should be checking the performance every month but two i think reading out a whole bunch of numbers on a podcast is probably not great content so i think maybe it's awesome content (laughs) (laughs) maybe we say go to our website if you want to see those numbers but really the update is we've saved a bit of money and we're going to apply the principles of dollar cost averaging and we are going to dollar cost average into two ETFs. Yeah. So those are the A200 Aussie equities. So it's the BetaShares ASX 200 ETF, tracks the top 200 companies on the ASX. So 1,000 into that and 1,000 into the Europe ETF that we chose, Ren, which was the Vanguard FTSE Europe shares. Its ticker is VEQ. So We'll mark that down, as Ren said, uh, should be available on the website to view the total portfolio for this month, making up for lost time on September, putting in the 2000 and we'll endeavour to buy more in next month. All right, so we'll set and forget the core portfolio and we'll move on to the satellite. Fortunately for us, neither of us are pitching tonight. Instead, members of the Equity Mates community continue to send ideas in of companies that they're looking at and that they want to tell us about. And so tonight we've got... Ewan and then Daniel telling us about a company. Yeah. So unless you've got anything further, let's get stuck into that. Absolutely. Let's do it. Before we get into those pitches, we'll just pause for a quick break for our sponsors, unless Bryce hasn't been selling and uh, (laughs) then you'll just hear a second of dead air. (laughs) So Ren, as we said at the start of the show, we are very excited for the next upcoming sort of 20 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes, as we welcome two members from the Equity Mates community to come on to continue with the listener stock pitch for our hypothetical portfolio, the satellite portfolio, 
we were lucky enough to have Ben come on and pitch Citadel Group, which shot 40% on the back of a takeover bid. Yeah, but no pressure to no, the people no pitching pressure. today. <laughs> so that was great. And as we said, we're, we're welcoming of any listeners who want to come and pitch their stocks for the portfolio. And it is super exciting to have a lot of pitches come in. Don't feel bad if you're not going to pitch a stock like Citadel that goes up 40%. I'm sure many people remember my stock of the year last year, yes. <laughs> which I think Costa ended up close to halving in values. So this is a learning experience as we as we keep saying. This isn't investment advice. It's just taking all the lessons that we've learned over the last few years and trying to analyze some individual stocks and, and be a bit more practical mm. in, in applying the lessons. So I think without any further ado, should we welcome Ewan to the show? Yeah, Ewan Jenkins, Equity Mates community member. Welcome to the show. G'day guys. Thanks so much for having me. So you and you reached out a number of months ago, I think. So hopefully your stock hasn't gone crazy since you actually reached out to pitch the idea, but you reached out and wanted to pitch one of your stocks. And just as we said at the start of the hypothetical portfolio, one of the rules is that you must have a thesis, be it 50 words or 5,000 words. And you did send in a pretty decent overview of your stock. So looking forward to digging in. But before we do, can you give us a bit of a background into who you are, how you came across equity mates, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'm a 21-year-old uni student down in Melbourne, Victoria, and I'm studying biomedicine at Monash University. So that takes up most of my time at the moment. And one of my good mates, Paddy Frawley, suggested this podcast to me probably about six months ago. So shout out to Frawls to uh, getting me onto it. Nice Frawls. Nice Frawls. <laughs> Looking forward to your stock pitch as well at love some that, point. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> nice Paddy. What footy team do you follow? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. yeah! I knew there was a reason we got you on, Ewan. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, enough of that. Um, <laughs> how about you just give us an intro into the the name of your stock? What's the ticker code? And then we can jump into some of the key metrics and then get stuck into the overview. Yeah, sure. So um, the company I'm pitching today is called Atomo Diagnostics. It's ticker code AT1. And how did you find this stock? Yeah, so like a lot of people at the moment, I wanted to try and make some money out of COVID any way I could. And I found that a lot of companies rumored to be the ones to win the vaccine race tended to be really expensive and highly discussed in the media and everything. So I sort of went looking for some more niche companies that could potentially make some big money out of COVID. So I started looking at companies, for example, which like supply materials needed for vaccines. So stuff like needles, vials and all of that. And then I stumbled across Atomo and their rapid diagnostic test devices. Nice one. Well, that's a good segue into what Atomo do. So can you maybe explain what a rapid diagnostic test device is? And I guess, is, is that the main product that Atomo sell? Yeah. So they're in the healthcare equipment and services sector. And they actually just recently IPO'd in April this year. And their business is manufacturing and selling what I said, the rapid diagnostic test devices where basically you can test for diseases and have your results within minutes. And the way I like to think of them is is kind of similar to those diabetes insulin tests you would see where uh, you prick your finger and take a little sample of blood and then it'll read your results on a screen. Prior to COVID, their main business and main sort of stream of income with these tests was a self-HIV test. It kind of sounds similar to that bad blood Theranos company. That, <laughs> have you read that book where she essentially says she has a test that can prick your blood and it'll give you a thousand test results in like seven <laughs> seconds? <laughs> I was actually pretty amazed by how many things they could test for. They basically got um, a few devices and you can load into it sort of any tests that you want. And so they can test for things like hep A, hep B, hep C, 
a range of inflammatory conditions, malaria, herpes, allergies, and even they're starting to get into sort of cancer side of things. So they can do a test now for prostate cancer, which tests for PSA antibodies in your blood. So it's actually really impressive what they're doing. Wow. Interesting. Now, in defense of Atomo over uh, yeah, sorry, Theranos and them. Elizabeth Holmes, <laughs> the problem with Theranos was they tried to test everything with one drop of blood and they diluted it so much that the test results were bull. Whereas for this, like for Atomo's COVID-19 test, it's only testing for COVID-19. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So so they can test for a number of things, but you would need a number of devices yeah, to do that. So yeah. each, each device tests for one thing. Now, the crazy thing about their COVID-19 test is that you get results in 15 minutes, which I don't, I don't know if either of you guys have had a COVID test, but I have, and it was like a 48-hour turnaround mm. until I got a text. So the 15 minutes, that is rapid. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And Ren, you've kind of just spoiled my big surprise. I hadn't mentioned that they'd brought out a COVID test yet. Well, give the um, spiel. <laughs> give the spiel. <laughs> so, yeah, now that cuts out of the bag. So, um, like I was saying, prior to COVID, their main source of income was through self-testing HIV test kits. And that was doing really well for them. It's currently the only one approved by the TGA for use in Australia. And they sell them worldwide. But now, since COVID has hit, well, basically, since around the time they, they IPO'd in April or May, they started making a serum antibody COVID RDT which, like you said, can tell you whether you're infected with COVID-19 within about 10 or 15 minutes. And it can also tell you whether you've been infected in the past, depending on which antibodies show up. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it can be used not just for someone's feeling symptoms, they go in and get tested. Like, they're being used all around the world at the moment, say, for example, at an airport, if you're seeing whether they can be used to test people for immunity to COVID. And so I can see this being a big thing with when people start going back to work around the world and travel starts getting big that they can sort of act as an immunity checker where mm. you can see whether whether someone has had COVID and whether they're sort of at risk of, of getting it. That's actually a good so, point. Yeah. yeah. I guess my question then, Ewan, is it sounds great, you know, in theory. Is this still – why aren't we seeing these out on the streets at the moment? Is Has it been approved? Yeah, that's a good segue to sort of get into the discussion about approval and everything. And I know you guys and probably a lot of listeners are thinking it's just another healthcare sort of biotech company where so much of their success is completely dependent on approval by different governing agencies. Mm. And just a couple of weeks ago in your episode with Julia Lee, you were talking about how these kinds of healthcare companies can just eat up so much money while they're going through trials and hoping to get approved. But the great thing about Atomo is that they're largely past that phase. So their serum COVID tests have already been approved by the TGA, which is arguably one of the strictest and hardest agencies to get approval from worldwide. So that's a pretty good indicator that they'll be successful with their approval in other countries. Mm. And they currently already have approval for emergency use in the US by the FDA, and they're sort of pending more popular use over there. They've been approved in multiple different countries across Europe, including France, where you know, at the moment, the virus is just going nuts. So it's probably one of the better places to be approved. And like I said, they have been approved by the TGA and they are starting to slowly roll them out. I'm not 100% sure when we'll sort of be seeing them become a more commonplace. I might just mention now that they've just recently expanded a partnership with Access Bio to produce and distribute COVID-19 rapid antigen tests in Australia, New Zealand and India. 
And so these are more like the nasopharyngeal swab tests that are the more common COVID tests at the moment. And you might have seen these on TV where they're sort of a new way to process the swab. And they're very similar to the ones currently being used, except they no longer require molecular PCR, which has to be carried out in a lab. So instead, you can get your results from this nasopharyngeal swab on the spot within about 10 minutes. And this eliminates the need for people to be isolating for 24 to 48 hours until they receive their test results. And it just sort of helps the testing process and the contact tracing profoundly. And no doubt it'll become a very sort of a big part of testing this um, rapid antigen test. And what they're saying is that it could be very useful to use the rapid serum antibody test alongside this antigen test. So basically it'll tell you very precisely whether you have it or not now and whether you've had it in the past. So maybe once they start rolling out these rapid antigen tests, you might see the serum antibody tests being used alongside them. Let's put some numbers against it. The company, I assume, is making a lot more devices now during COVID than it was in pre-COVID times. Do you know what that uptick has been like? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Ren. So at the start of the year, they were making around 300,000 devices a month, and their main factory is in South Africa, I believe. And now they've been able to more than quadruple that number and are making over 1.3 million devices a month. And it's worth noting as well that they only started selling these devices right towards the end of FY20, and their revenue actually went up an, an astonishing 900% in FY20 compared to FY19. Wow. What, from zero yeah, exactly. to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm waiting for that one. Let's actually put numbers against it. Like, what is that rise? So I believe it went from about 500,000 to 5.5 million. Yeah, okay. 5.4 okay. million. And what is the market cap of Atomo? Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that at the start. So their current share price, oh, I haven't checked today. It's 35 cents. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's been around that 35, 36 cents for a while now. I and mean, the market cap is just over 200 million. Nice. So it's a pretty small cap. Great overview. I think it's certainly a company that AI would never heard of. You've obviously, through I guess your studies, have a, a very good or much better understanding of this sort of stuff than I do. I like the thinking around trying to find a company that is going to try, I guess, move with the times being COVID and, and to Alex's point, you know, finding companies that are the picks and shovels and will sell products into this sort of industry, I guess. So great overview, Ewan. You have a question, Ren? Yeah, I've got two, but I'll ask them one at a time. So my first one is there are obviously a number of companies making test kits at the moment. And as you sort of explained before you, and there's some that are doing like nasal swabs and then there are others that are doing blood tests and stuff like that. What are the competitive advantages for this particular company's test kits? Is there anything that makes them better or more defensible than some of the other companies making testing kits? Yeah, I think they've got probably at least three or four pretty solid competitive advantages. So like I mentioned before, the main one probably for this company at the moment is their approval. So if you think back to their main business before the COVID tests, they are the only TGA approved HIV self-test in Australia which is a pretty massive competitive advantage if you're the only person who can make and distribute that. They've got a really good track record when it comes to gaining approval, which is arguably one of the biggest hurdles for companies in this sector, like I mentioned before. Another competitive advantage would be their financial position. So like I mentioned before, market cap of about 200 mil, making around 5.4 mil in FY20. After a big capital raising in April when they IPO'd, they managed to wipe out all of their debt and they're sitting on a healthy... $28 million in cash, which gives them a cash runway of approximately four years. So 
they can go another few years without sort of getting into positive figures before they sort of bleed out. What's also great is, again, looking back at the HIV area, is that that um, market, the HIV self-test kit market, is predicted to rise at a compound annual growth rate of 18.7% per year over the next decade. So even without sort of their stunning, the stunning success of their COVID arm of their business, I think they've got a really bright future in terms of the HIV self-testing area. And finally, because they're still such a small company, they have the real advantage of being agile and nimble and can really adapt their business when they need to. And their production of the COVID serum antibody test is a great example of this. And I just think it's so impressive how well they've adapted to the needs of the world. And it's also great for society and and really great for businesses out there. Like I mentioned, they have just been able to quadruple their production and increase their revenue by tenfold. So I think that's another big advantage for them. My second question, and I think you went some way of answering it there, was what's the enduring competitive advantage in a world where COVID has been vaccinated away? And I think you partially answered it there when you explained that they've got the only TGA-approved HIV self-test kit and the HIV testing market is expected to grow at that 18% a year. I guess, though, my follow-up question to that would be what percentage of their revenue is from the non-COVID-related businesses and then how much is COVID-related? Because I guess that would be my only concern, you know, if they're revenues up 900% in a year, how much is that going to fall if COVID is vaccinated away? So there's a few things that I would talk about in regards to that. The first, so I'll give you sort of the numbers, about 50 to 60% of their revenue in FY20 was from selling of COVID devices. 30% of it was through HIV and other diagnostic kits. And the last 20% part of their business was through OEM sales, which is original equipment manufacturer sales. So what they basically do is they can sell these test device cartridges all around the world to medical companies and pharmaceutical companies, and they can load into it whatever test they want. So if they've done the research on how to test for something that Atomo hasn't, they can buy a bunch of these test devices and then load into it their own tests. So... If you think of it like that, as long as there's anything out there to be tested, they can sort of keep selling these testing device kits even once COVID has passed. Another thing I briefly touched on before is if we think in terms of a vaccine, it might be another six to 12 months away. And then to roll it out across the world, I don't know, it could be it could be another two, two or three years realistically before everyone's vaccinated. And even then, like I mentioned, I think these could make a really... They could play a really important part of being immunity checkers. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if you started to see them at airports and potentially workplaces once everything gets back up and running. Nice. So Ewan, you've really laid out the positive side of things in the pitch, but as always, it's worth discussing what some of the potential downsides for a a stock like this might be, or it's always good to think about the the risk-reward situation when investing. So have you given any thought to perhaps some of the potential downsides that might make this investment somewhat risky or uh, less appealing? And if so, what are they? There are a couple of, of potential downsides that I can see. Luckily, they're all pretty minor in my opinion. But to start off with, like I said before, in actually one of the advantages sort of a double-edged sword where it can be a disadvantage is that it is a small cap stock. You get the associated risks and drawbacks from this, you know, like lower liquidity. There is the sort of a larger risk, a greater risk that they could go under. 
much faster than a larger company. But that's not too much of a, a turnoff for me because I'm thinking more long-term with this. Mm-hmm. Another downside, which isn't necessarily a downside per se, but more just something to note, is that they only went public about six months ago. And so you only have about 12 months of reliable data to look at and you miss out on that sort of reliable year-on-year track record, which you can look at in other companies that you're thinking of investing in. Mm-hmm. We've already touched on this a little bit before, but like I said, with any sort of healthcare company, there's always the idea of gaining approvals sort of looming over the head of the company. But like I touched on this before, they've got a pretty solid track record when it comes to approvals. So yeah, I'm not too worried about that. And finally, potentially the biggest worry, although for me it is still quite minor, is that they do still have negative cash flow. Yeah. So their 2019 EBITDA was halved this year compared to this year. It went from negative four mil to negative two mil. And I think it's pretty likely they'll become profitable in the very near future, if not sort of this year. If they still haven't got a positive cash flow in the next one or two years, I might get a little bit worried about that and start to reconsider and sort of have another look at the theses. But at the moment, that doesn't really worry me too much. That's the vogue thing for investors at the moment, isn't it? Investing companies that don't make any money, Uber, bloody Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The and then you just wait for them to to yeah. rake it up. <laughs> well, hopefully. But... <laughs> hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> nice. No, I think it's always good to recognize some of the potential downsides when you're going into investment. You know, you, you've definitely got to consider the risks that you're taking when you go in. So it's good that you've certainly thought about that. Before we get some, maybe some concluding thoughts and, and wrap it up, I just want to go back to the question that I asked earlier, because I was just flicking through that annual report. In terms of if COVID went away and their revenue from COVID went away, I've just looked at the numbers so their revenue was up 900% with COVID. Without mm-hmm. COVID, their revenue would have still been up 400%. Oh, nice. Yeah. So excluding COVID, their HIV business it was up almost 400% as well. And yeah, their other... Op- their they, up- they wouldn't have IPO'd to get cash for this period. It was just coincidental. I don't know. Yeah. I think it potentially could have been... I mean, they would have had to think of it a lot longer beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can turn her an IPO in, in a month. <laughs> it probably Maybe. did line up pretty well for them, but um, I think it would have been a, a bit of a longer process. Sheer yeah, luck. yeah. Sheer I luck. think let's not throw yeah. that one out there without any evidence to back it up. <laughs> hey, 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 that's fast and loose, baby, fast and loose. No. If I can just touch on what you were mentioning there, I agree with what you're saying in that when I sort of was looking for this company, I had no idea that the, the self-testing um, HIV market was even really a thing. Mm. And so it sort of got me onto that and I started looking looking into that and saw more and more positives. And it was almost as if the COVID test that they're making is just sort of a cherry on top of their of their previous sort of business model. So Yeah, nice. Have you given any thought to valuation? I think with these pitches it's it's for us it's more about the process and the thinking. It's tough to value a company yeah, that isn't making money as well. I was gonna well. say, yeah. yeah, negative cash flow, growing quickly. You'd have to project out what you think their revenue are, what their cost structure is gonna be, and then try and figure out cash flow from that and then discount it back. That's, yeah, so let's not that's worry a, about that. That's a difficult <laughs> yeah, exactly, task. Exactly. But if you've done it, Ewan, welcome to <laughs> hear the number. <laughs> no, I've got nothing for you. Like I, said, like I said, we've only got a year of data to grow off and they've sort of exploded from, from then. So, yeah. I mean, are we going to go off that they're going to they're going to tenfold their revenue each year. So, well, hey, that, I don't know. that would we? be a pretty nice valuation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How about we just finish with some concluding thoughts from you? Yeah, and then and then we can wrap it up. I guess do we make a decision if it's going in or we'll take that offline? 
Yeah, I was going to actually ask about that whether I whether I stuck around to hear that. Um, <laughs> Given you know we haven't got many positions in the portfolio, <laughs> we've got um, some cash to burn. We've got some cash to burn. I think you know. Well, let's hear Ewan's concluding let's hear thoughts. Concluding let's not thoughts. front a lot run. Ride yeah. on these concluding thoughts. Yeah, Ewan, really pitch us. Give us the elevator pitch. All right, here's the deal. <laughs> exactly. Elevator exactly. pitch, and then we'll spend five minutes on air with Ewan chatting it through, and we can make a decision. Jeez, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, here we go. Final thoughts. Elevator pitch. So back to what I was saying at the start. I feel like at the moment, sort of everyone's so fixated on on vaccine hopes that this company is sort of going largely unnoticed. And like I said again before, realistically, the vaccine's sort of just a massive buzzword. And so many people are kind of just behaving like Bryce would, and they're purely having a gamble. <laughs> yes. Okay. Glad okay. You got okay. That in you. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> remember, I am fifty percent of the investing committee. Here, Ewan, so <laughs> Bryce is going to need to step out and have a dart after this. <laughs> not true. Not true. <laughs> Might have to take it to the Facebook group. Jeez, jeez. So, like I was saying, people would behave like Bryce, and they're just having a gamble. They're throwing their hard-earned cash at these companies and just sort of crossing their fingers that they'll win the vaccine race. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's kind of a nice way to look at trying to make money off COVID without sort of doing the mainstream throw money at an AstraZeneca or a Moderna or a CSL kind of thing. You know, these guys are, are selling tens of millions of COVID test kits right now, and they'll they'll continue to do so well into the future. Like we sort of touched on before, a lot of people might be thinking, yeah, great. As soon as COVID ends, this company is going to be sort of down the drain. But it's not really like that at all, I don't think. There'll be sort of these RDTs uh, already being used around the world as immunity checkers, where people are coming back into offices and trying to fly overseas, like I said. And besides this whole COVID side of the business, they've still got a really solid business model selling their HIV self-testing kits. I don't think I mentioned this before. There are other self-testing HIV kits out there, but what this company prides himself on on um, in terms of their HIV test is that it's just extremely simple. And a lot of other self-testing kits, they come with sort of multiple parts and you have to prick your finger and pipette some blood onto a sample and pipette some buffer solution onto that. And sort of it results in a lot of user errors and then from that inaccurate readings. These guys just have a really simple prick your finger and drip a few drops of solution that they have onto the spot and it'll show up within 10 minutes. I like to think of it sort of, as Ren would say, they're set for some really solid performance over the next few years. <laughs> nice. Uh, now you're, now you're uh, offending now the other half right. of the investment yeah, yeah. committee. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm back on board. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, massive thank you for putting your hand up to be the second of our community to come on and pitch your stock. I know you've put a lot of thought into this and um, it's just great to have part of the community sharing their experience and their process of finding information and researching stocks. So firstly, yeah, again, massive thank you for for doing that. I think from my point of view, Ren, from an investing committee point of view, I would put one rule on it that if we do put this in the portfolio, then we will be relying on Ewan to give us a buzz when it is time to take the stock out of the portfolio. <laughs> yeah. I think in in fairness to the effort that you've put in, I'm happy to, to throw it in. We've got 18,000 cash on hand to put in. The rule was 1,000 a month. We actually haven't bought anything for two months, <laughs> so we owe it. <laughs> Firstly, as the other half of the investing committee, are you happy to do that? Yeah, I think for me, there's there's two reasons why I'm I'm willing to do it. The first is... I think, you know, if you were modeling this out properly, you would do two separate models. You would do a COVID last for, you know, like two years plus or maybe two years and then another that it's solved in like the next six months. And 
unfortunately, and Ewan's down in Melbourne and really feeling the brunt of COVID at the moment, but it feels like this is going to be a longer term problem. So there's probably some growth there. But I think for me, if you strip out the COVID revenue from their revenue numbers, there's still a good growth story there. I guess my one question would be, what's the total addressable market? Like what is the growth potential of this HIV testing market? But I'm convinced enough that we should put it in as a specky stock and specky stock, uh, hold specky you in accountable stock. if uh, he doesn't call us <laughs> when know. we need to sell. <laughs> I mean, less than 200 million market cap trading at 35 cents at the moment, pretty flat since it IPO'd back in April. So yeah, it is very much in my eyes uh, a specky pick. It's certainly in the right sort of trend area, I guess, given what's going on at the moment. A lot of interesting stuff happening. So you and happy to throw it in as long as is there a deal that if things change, if your thesis changes, you got to give us a buzz. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to put some numbers to it, current purchase price is $0.35, cents, $8 brokerage. So we're going to be purchasing 2,834 shares. So that's going to go into the portfolio ticker of AT1. So nice, Ewan. You're in. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Another thing I forgot to mention before was, uh -oh. um, <laughs> don't, worry, don't worry, it's a positive, it's a positive, <laughs> is that they're actually getting funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates um, Foundation in order to combat global disease in terms of their HIV self-testing kits. So That, that might mean, actually if, turn Bryce off. He's a bit of a Bill Gates conspiracy theorist. <laughs> really? No, is he no, Bill Gates started COVID? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not true at all. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if Bill Gates backs it in, surely we would, but maybe not anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting one. He's obviously not investing. It would be charitable, but Bill Gates is obviously a smart guy. And yeah, I think we'll put it in as a specy and uh, we'll see, see what happens. I was going to say it is a satellite portfolio after all. Absolutely. So. That's it. That's Absolutely. It. Yeah. Well, that was epic. Again, thank you for your time, you and we'll leave it there. We do have another listener to get their pitch. You can sleep well tonight knowing that you're safe and sound in the portfolio, but we will be coming after you if something happens. So let us know, <laughs> but we'll keep in touch as i've said many times big thank you and we encourage any other community members to follow in you and footsteps and and come and pitch your stock so thank you very much so ren we are hot off the back of the stock pitch from you and which was um, a lot of fun and it is our absolute pleasure to welcome another equity mates community member to the show daniel welcome to the show good day guys we're keen to get stuck into the stock, but before we do, maybe if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what you do for your day job, where you're from, that would be great. Yeah, well, my name's Daniel. As you said, I work in construction management, so I'm probably the last person that should be giving financial advice. That's good because you're not giving financial yeah, advice. We, we need to be very clear that nothing here is financial <laughs> advice. This is a learning experience where we're just all trying to learn together. Yes. Nice, Daniel. So you sent this email through and Ren was actually pretty impressed with the email that you sent just because of the simplicity of it. And I'll get him to touch on that a little bit later. But how about you introduce the stock that you're going to pitch as well as the ticker and then how you came across it? So the stock I'm pitching today is Viva Leisure. It's a pretty simple stock. And I think it's very much in the style of Peter Lynch in that it's something I understand and use every day. Viva Leisure is my gym. Nice. nice. <laughs> so I think I have to ask, are you two gym junkies? Bryce is, 6 o'clock every morning, you'll find him at Fitness First. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a gym junkie, but I am. <laughs> I am at the gym a bit. Yeah, just doing your classic spin classes. HIIT and um, what is it? Body attack, the dance class. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. I do body pump, those sorts of things. So I'm interested you're, to hear. You're a certified Roomba instructor, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about Viva Leisure. Are you a gym junkie, Daniel? No, I wouldn't say I am, but I go. I guess I go regularly. Nice. And yeah, so I found this stock by changing gyms. Uh, that's the reason I started looking into it. Firstly, that's an awesome, I guess, using your surroundings and literally what you know to come across a stock that is interesting and a great example of what we sort of talk about many times on the show. So awesome example. How about you just run us through a couple of the key metrics to start? So like, let's talk market cap, what's it trading at, revenue, those sorts of things. So it's pretty small on the scheme of things. Its market cap is $177 million. Revenue is $40.9 million. And then the net profit is currently unprofitable at a loss of $6 million a year. Last year, it did report a profit. So when I did have a deep dive at the company, I sort of worked off 2019 numbers, because that's a lot more clearer without the COVID impact. Yeah, nice. As Bryce mentioned at the the top, we were struck by, you know, how clear, but at the same time simple, the the thesis was. It wasn't, you know, some complex maths that you needed to get into you really summed it up in a paragraph but we, we thought it was quite compelling so maybe to start this pitch off if you just maybe recap how you pitched it in your original email so people can see you know when bryce is saying 50 words or 5,000 words you really don't need to write 5,000 no. words to uh to have a compelling stock thesis yeah so i think that's what's so great about this company it's very simple it's a very simple business model very easy to understand it's also potentially one stock that's still discounted because of COVID. So for anyone with FOMO from missing out on the COVID sell-off, I think it's still available. <laughs> nice. If you look at the current numbers, in the previous reporting period, they had 56,000, which they increased almost doubled to 96,000 members. So if you just apply those members to $20 a week, which I pay $40 a week because I'm premium. Must be nice. $20 a week. <laughs> <laughs> so at the average, which is roughly $20 a week, Next year, they'll report $98 million of revenue. So based on 14% margin to that revenue, which is what they did in the current year, the earnings will be $13.6 million. If you apply a P of 20 to that, 20 times to that, which I think is reasonable for a high growth company, their market cap could be around the $274 million mark, which is an increase of 60% on today's price. And that's all assuming there's zero growth next year but they also have increased their growth by 37% year on year for the past five years. So to recap that, all you did was you took the member numbers that they're at now, you applied the standard weekly rate and you calculated their revenue off the back of that. Then you just applied their historic profit margin of 14% and you calculated what you expect their earnings to be on the back of that. And then based on a yeah. pretty pretty market standard PE, the value that you got for the company is 60% above what it is now. Yeah, and that 14% margin is also during COVID times. So historically over the past five years, they've been up above 20%. So there's more contingency in that number as well. Yeah, wow. So let's practically talk. You've identified that the $274 million is a, a potential market cap and it's currently trading at $177 million. So that means that it's trading at a discount, right? Yeah, and I think the reason for that is that the revenue hasn't been realised from those members due to the four months that COVID impacted the business where every gym was closed for up to 10 weeks, depending on the state, and some are still closed in Victoria and obviously restricted in New South Wales. Yeah, right. Just to confirm as well, the name of the company here is Viva Leisure, but what gyms do they actually operate? 
So the company operates Club Lime. It started in Canberra with a few franchises and then has expanded to be one of the top operators in Canberra. Given that it's probably the top two in the market in Canberra, I think that gives it a big advantage here. And that's part of the reason I think they've gone public and had the ability to grow so much. Yeah, right. Uh, they've also expanded now to have other health clubs. So they've got Hit Republic, which is similar to F45, if you know that. Yeah. It's a group class circuit, a lot more social. And that was the reason I actually changed to this gym and started looking into it at all, was that it had those other offerings. It had a pool near me, which I can access for the same price as the gym and then the Hit Republic side as well. Yeah, interesting. Daniel, I've got a question about these member numbers. So that 96,000, is that current as of, we're talking in October, is that is that current as of October or was that 96,000 pre-COVID? So that was when it reported in August. Right. So it was still right in the middle of COVID because my question was going to be, is the market putting a lower value than what you'd expect because they expect the member numbers to drop off? But I assume all gyms in Canberra are back open. Is that right? Yeah, they're at full tilt. So it's unlikely that the member numbers will drop off from here because of like another COVID shut down or anything like that so it's an interesting one i guess i guess my my second question is then what's the growth opportunity for this gym operator so it's quite big in canberra does it have presence in any other cities at the moment so since it publicly listed which i think the reason for all the capital raising was to expand elsewhere since they've listed last year they've added quite a number of clubs they've moved to new zealand they've added a lot in brisbane by through acquisitions and also through opening new franchises. They're moving into New South Wales slowly, as well as Victoria. So there's a lot of growth opportunity in other states. Currently, of all their locations, there's 41 in Canberra and roughly another 40 in the rest of Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, right. So there's lots of lots of space in other states. And there's also the growth of the other offerings, which is Hit Republic, which is just starting out to become bigger in Canberra. They're already opening 10 new more locations in Canberra in the next period which they're just finalizing. And they're also looking at opening a new studio, which is going to be focused on yoga, bar and Pilates. So that'll add another advantage to their core business. Yeah, it's a pretty compelling company. I mean, I'm looking at their annual report now and their 2020 highlights. So 2020 being a year where COVID shut them down for probably a couple of months. You know, their revenue was up 24%, membership up 74%. The number of locations up 98%. Surprising to me that a gym was able to grow. Yeah, same. In, it feels saturated. F20. Mm. It's not because it's saturated for me. It's because of COVID. Good point. Yeah, but I think they would have pulled the trigger on those plans before Pre-COVID. COVID. Pre-COVID. Yeah, that yeah. is true. That is yeah. true. Is there anything else about the stock that you find interesting or compelling? One other good thing I found when I looked a little deeper after talking to you guys was that the CEO, Harry, who was the original founder of the first franchise in Canberra, so he started off with the one gym. He still owns over 30% of the shares on the market, which I think is a really good sign that his interest is in the best interest of all the shareholders. Mm. There's clear skin in the game. I agree. Any founder, CEO that still owns a large chunk of the company is a is a good sign that they're in it for the long term and have everyone's, well, generally have everyone's best interest at heart. So it's a good pickup there. I guess for people who are looking for that sort of information, where did you find that? So I just went onto the ASX website, which has links to all their notifications and all their reports. We always have to think about the downside when we're investing as well. So I guess the question is, what are some of the key risks that you see with this company and with this potential investment? I'd say the key risk would be overspending on their growth. Part of their plan is to acquire a lot of gyms. 
to get that growth in other states. And if they're not the major player in the near future elsewhere, they don't really have a good competitive advantage. So I guess they'll have to start doing something like Uber where they pick their battles. I think Uber in certain countries has realized they're not winning, so it's not worth the investment. And they're spending a lot for growth where it's not coming back to the bottom line. So I guess the same for Club Lime is that if they're trying to spend all their money to grow into other states and they're just losing the battle, that might be worth funding that growth. In theory, the good thing about a business like this is that the unit economics of each gym that they acquire should be positive, whereas with Uber, they've got such a large fixed cost that they have to overcome before they can become profitable. So I think the good thing with a, you know, a business like this where it's bolting on physical locations is you should be able to see quite quickly if the unit economics are poor with the acquisitions because their margin will be deteriorated. Nice. Well, I think we've come to the end of a very clear pitch and it's just a great way to, I guess, understand and see how you've thought about the stock. And this to me is a a great value play. You've certainly identified a potential discounted stock here. So I think that's epic, Daniel. I guess, Ren, as the investing committee, we need to decide Make whether or not this yeah. whether or not this makes the cut or not. I'm happy to start it off. Look, I think we've spoken before about keeping theses clear, identifying stocks that you know are in your wheelhouse, easy to understand business models, using what is around you to identify opportunities, and. I love just the way that this has been worked through so so clearly and some thought has gone into finding a valuation and comparing it back to current market cap. For me, it is a yes. Nice one. Oh, yeah. awesome. For me, yeah, it, it's a yes as well. I think the thesis is pretty clear. I mean, if any of those numbers move, the membership number, the average weekly revenue per member or the profit margin, then it's worth reviewing your thesis. But at this point, you know, just to echo what Bryce said, the, the thesis is pretty clear and it's pretty compelling. So it's a yes from me. Now there's a lot of pressure on for the stock to perform. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have to put it in if you no. don't want it to. We can put <laughs> yeah, it, you, we, can, you can withdraw we your can thesis. Put it on the, we can put it on the watch list. There's a lot of pressure after the uh, Citadel pick. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no pressure. For every for every Citadel, there are some absolute duds that get talked about on the show, and there will be none worse than some of the ones that I've thrown out there on the show. So no pressure at all. Oh, great, <laughs> Daniel. Just to run through the numbers for everyone: current price is two dollars fifty nine. Purchasing on the thirteenth of October, including brokerage of eight dollars. We're buying three hundred and eighty three shares. So. That is now in the Equitymates hypothetical satellite portfolio. Please, if your thesis does change, let us know. We're looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Daniel, a massive thanks for coming on the show, putting your hand up to come and pitch the stock. We're having a great time sort of talking to the community and Ren and I are learning a lot along the way as well. So a massive thank you. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Equitymates Investing Podcast, a production of Equitymates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equitymates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.